Hi, Josen. Um, thank you for joining us today. Thank you for having me. Good. Um, before we kind of get into the narrative of your practice, you know, journey to practice, could you tell people a little bit about um, what your current um, priest and teaching activities are now to kind of put things, everything into context? Certainly. Well, I share the activities with several of our Unsui, the assistant priests that we have. But at Kanzionji, we have uh, Zoom practice these days. Although a few people show up here during the practice every once in a while. Uh, but it's 7 a.m. and 7 p.m., seven days a week, 365 days a year. Great. And um, you're in the uh, Matsuoka lineage, is that correct? That's correct. So you Matsuoka Roshi is my uh -huh. Dharma grandfather. Uh -huh. And I've seen um, you post on Facebook pictures of you. Um, is it Zensuji? What is the... Um, Zensuji is the one I go to most commonly. We also have the Long Beach Buddhist Church here that I've been to, mm -hmm. and Sozenji is here. Mm -hmm. There are three of the main Sotoshu temples. Okay. I do visit other temples now and then. I like to do that. Great. Um, could you... Um, so to kind of talk a little bit about the narrative of your practice journey, could, could we start and uh, maybe tell us a little bit about where you grew up and... Sure. Kind of what that experience was like? I'm a California kid, still in California now, born and raised, middle class family. Dad was a union worker, the Lockheed aircraft over here. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And did you, um, did you guys grow up with any sort of religious orientation? My grandmothers both went to church every Sunday in mm -hmm. um, two different de denominations, but they went every Sunday. My mm -hmm. grandfathers did not. They would take them and drop them off. And I assume my uh, parents would go to Sunday school. And mm -hmm. they did the same thing with us, except for, yeah, my mom went inside. We went to Sunday school in a separate room. Uh, my mom would go into church and my dad would probably leave. <laughs> so you never went into the services? I did later, you know, after Sunday school practice. Mm -hmm. I, I stopped going at about 10 years old. But then mm -hmm. I, would, I would go with friends, regular Christian, one denomination or another. Mm -hmm. uh, my dad was a Jehovah's Witness, and we did that wow. for a while. Uh, mostly Presbyterian. My mom mm -hmm. was a Presbyterian. My grandmother on her side was a Presbyterian. So, how did the um, how did those experiences resonate with you? The church they were fine. Very good social atmosphere. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Although, as I was about to mention, at ten years old, uh, I was the only one going. I think my mother would take me and drop me off. I don't think she stayed anymore. Mm -hmm. And I was like. Do I have to go? And she's like, no, no, you don't have to go. It's not obligatory. And I'm like, oh, I don't want to go. Mm -hmm. And that was, the, I think, the last time I went to our own Presbyterian church. <laughs> but then, as I said, I went with friends to their, hey, you want to go to church with me? I'm like, sure, I'll go. And I did Jehovah's Witness with my dad every once in a while. Mm -hmm. What Was that a conflict? I know Jehovah's Witnesses are not always super excited about other Christian sects. Was that any sort of... They... I, I didn't have any problems with other sects. I mean, they believe that they're correct. I, I guess most people do. Mm -hmm. right? Whatever you decide you want to do, you, you chose it because you thought it was the correct way to go. Mm -hmm. So that's what you did. And, and they are certainly holding that strongly, the group that I was with. If you went anywhere else, they were aghast. Yes. Mm -hmm. through, through your childhood and um, teenage years, did you consider yourself a Christian? Were you a believer in, in God or Jesus? Yes, yes, yes absolutely. Uh -huh. And uh, did, did you pray? Did you? Um, Absolutely. Yeah. Did you? So at so at the stage of your 
life, did you have anything what you would consider religious or mystical experiences, or was it purely kind of a an emotional, intellectual relationship? Not, not in relation to the Christian religion, but I was already a meditator and doing, I, I learned mostly in martial arts. Okay. Uh, I started martial arts at six years old. And so we always meditated before and after class. And other than that, my only meditation experience was sitting under a tree and just gazing uh -huh. out into space, which I love to do. Did Don't you do it uh, in school? I used to do it during school, just looking out the window. Uh -huh. <laughs> Teachers didn't like that too well, but you could do it under a tree. It's great. Yeah. yeah what, what kind of martial arts did you do? I started in Hawaiian Kempo, and then a little okay. karate, a touch of this, a touch of that. Most lately in weapons, particularly the Japanese archery, the sometimes mm -hmm. called zen archery, kudo. Yeah, Interesting. Probably what I'm known most for. Mm -hmm. Did you have any, um, through your high school years, CA's years, did you have any um, encounter with Eastern spirituality at all? I did. Actually, it really started in high school because I was in a special program where we were able to design our own classes and things like that. Mm -hmm. And so many of the guys were interested in uh, yoga and Tibetan Buddhism. And so we would bring in teachers and so we, do, we started doing a lot of meditation. Interesting. And what kind of school was this, I'm sorry? It was called SWA, School Within a School. So we were in a, a high school, a regular high school, but we had our own floor in a building. And we didn't have traditional classes. We would just kind of meet with mm -hmm. our teachers, like a dokusan. You'd meet with your teacher and you would tell them what you were doing and they would approve it or not approve mm -hmm. it. And then I think once a week we sat mm -hmm. down and we talked as a, like you talk to each other about what you're doing, right? And bounce things off and presented mm -hmm. your programs or your, whatever it is you were, you were building or doing or making. I did martial arts demonstrations. I did lots of them. <laughs> I did a yaido for them. This is how I draw. And it's practical in everyday use because you can cut a cake with a knife like this and it's much better or a tomato or whatever, right? And so <laughs> if you use the blade properly, you'll get a better cut. Mm -hmm. If you, uh, um, w were there any particular Eastern traditions, you know, from a, a religious point of view that initially kind of spoke to you that kind of grabbed your grabbed your attention initially probably the hindu related around the yoga mm -hmm. uh, i i had the zen idea from the martial arts practice mostly japanese martial arts although my earliest ones were chinese but still in chan would be influenced in there right mm -hmm. so yeah and shorinji kempo came later but this whole idea of shorinji uh Shaolin, right? Uh -huh. So all of that was really interesting. The, the TV series Kung Fu came out when I was just starting high school. And uh -huh. oh, I watched that like religiously. That was, <laughs> that was fantastic, right? Yeah, come to think of it, that was probably my first, even though I didn't realize it was Buddhism, that was probably my first encounter with Buddhism. Yeah, so you don't really, it, it's very romanticized idea, yeah. right? But yeah, I, I loved it. I, I was like, this is fantastic. That's what I want to do. So even when I joined the Marine Corps, I was like, what do you want to do? I said, I want to be a, a translator with Chinese language, right? <laughs> It's not what I ended up doing, of course, they move you around, but that's yeah. that's what I said I wanted to do when, when I when I joined the Marine Corps. Was, okay, this is what I want to do. They agreed, but it didn't happen. But it was, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, so what 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 motivated your interest in Eastern spirituality? Was it like all martial arts related? But but like what was it you just wanted to? To me, I, I didn't understand all the differences. That was like one package to me, just yeah. like the movie Kung Fu. It was all interrelated, right? Mm -hmm. I had no idea that all those relationships weren't really all that strong. They're all 
so I thought it was more, like one thing. All all Buddhists did martial arts, and all martial arts did meditation. That's <laughs> that's what I thought. So it was more you. And I didn't understand between Japan and China. And, you know, they're different countries, but to me, it was like all one big culture. I had no idea all the different uh, major differences in some places. <laughs> so, would it be fair to say that you were um, mostly attracted to the aesthetic and mythos and and so forth, as opposed to maybe looking for liberation? Yes, I, I didn't understand that concept really at all, other than some mystical, magical thing out there <laughs> that some priests acquired this great insight of uh, I don't know what they were. <laughs> So um, I aspired to or anything like that. It was just like, wow, that's so amazing, right? I just wanted to do what my teachers were doing. That's that's all. See, even today, that's really all I want to do. <laughs> what are my teachers doing? I'll do that. I sometimes change it. I Americanize right. it. But <laughs> I didn't originally. I did whatever they said, exactly the way they said it, the best I could. I got so in trouble it sounds like overall you had a pretty stable, happy childhood and teenage years. Yeah, I, I had all kinds of complaints during the time, but looking back, they're really, I'm, I mean, I'm middle-class white kid in California. <laughs> I have nothing to complain about. It was like pretty easy sailing. So no major like existential angst or? Oh, things. sure, things you make up in your own mind. Yeah. <laughs> teenage stuff, right? It's like... So did you go to college first or did you go straight to the Marines? What, what was your path there? So I went straight to the Marines. Before mm -hmm. I finished high school, I joined up. Uh, and then as soon as I graduated from high school, off I went to boot camp. Mm -hmm. And I, was, I decided to sign up as a reservist rather than full-time. And the Vietnam War was just ending. So they trained us really hard, but I didn't have to go to any wars at that time. We did do, what do we call them? Missions and operations. They would, if you had a particular skill set and they needed you somewhere, we could hop on a plane and send off. They would send. What uh, what year did you? Other than that, training? it was just training. I drove all kind of vehicles and. Was, what what year was the job was uh, analyzing uh, photographs from the satellites and stuff like that. That was my desk job. I didn't really like it. <laughs> Was this a four-year process that you were in? I was in for six years, but as a reservist, I need to plug in the computer. That's why I'm moving around. I had unplugged it. There. Now we should be good. Sorry about that. Oh, that's fine. Um, so you were in for six years as a reserve. So, that, so did you work during the week and then... Yeah, week I would, did. My family has a business. I worked for my family during the week, mm -hmm. and then on weekends, uh, once a month, or sometimes more. I had because it's my family's business. I had flexible hours, mm -hmm. so if there was a parade to do or something like that, then I was always the volunteer for those. So actually, I could have left early. I had so many hours in that I could have months early. I was like, "All your time's filled. You can go." I stayed a little longer. So during during the six years where you were working and being a reservist of the Marines, did you have any sort of spiritual or meditation practice at this point? I still had all the stuff from the martial arts. I was still a martial artist, but I, I hadn't started any like official Zen practice or anything like that. Although who I consider my root teacher, Kaizan Wanjo, he's a, a Shingon Shu priest. 
Oh, interesting. He was really my Kudo teacher, the Japanese Zen archery. Mm -hmm. uh, and so I met him just as I was finishing my Marine Corps time. Mm -hmm. And before him, I had a teacher in the EI and Kendo, Kendo Kata named Okubo, Hikotaka Okubo. Mm -hmm. And uh, he was, I would say he was really my first Buddhist teacher. Mm -hmm. Even though, again, he wasn't a Buddhist priest at all, but we would mm -hmm. go to the temples for all the events and he would talk about the Dharma. And mm -hmm. uh, I think before him, even in my martial arts practice, it was more, it was playtime, it was sports, right? We meditated and stuff, but it was just part of the martial arts practice. Mm -hmm. uh, Look, Okubo sensei changed that. And then uh, Kosaka sensei being a Shimbongshu Buddhist priest, it infiltrated. I even have a Dharma name from him, but it's, I'm not a Shingon priest in any way. I didn't ever really trained in Shingon, so, but uh, he just gave me this name. I'm a student. So Did you go to the temple with him? We went for regular service, big services, you know, New Year's yeah. Day and things like that. Mm -hmm. uh, Shingon, I, would, um, I, I should know more about it, but it's, um, it's, it's tantric Buddhism. Is that it's correct? tantric Buddhism, yes. True yeah. sound. Shingon means true sound. Mm -hmm. So there was a lot of chanting and... Yes, we like yeah. to deep, low chanting. Even lower, you know, I can't even do it anymore. We were, we were low and slow most of the time. Although we did some ceremonies really fast. Still pretty low, but really fast. Yeah, we did lots of those. That was, that was interesting. Did, uh, is, the, is that the sect they do the fire ceremony? Yes, the Goma. Yeah. Yeah, they, they do it almost every ceremony. Oh. Here are, are trash trucks coming by. I need to close my. Here. Sorry. Um, so, um, so looking, you know, from your perspective now, looking back to your martial arts years, do you, do you think you had moments of samadhi and, and no mind and so forth that? All the time, that, that sort of thing, you know, you're in the zone. Mm -hmm. Right, it's it's not exactly the same as we know today, but mm -hmm. back then it was like that, pretty amazing. Mm -hmm. Plenty of times because your body is just moving within those mm -hmm. experiences that you've already had when you're training, right? So you get in a match or even in a real life situation, and suddenly your body is just moving, and you're right where you need to be when you need to be there. Mm -hmm. so, did you uh, did you start? That's about as close as I would say we would get. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Did you start a family? Were you married or have kids? Or well, I find I'm a little later in life, but in my 30s, I did get married. I got a wife just on the other side of this wall. Daughter living in Tokyo. Mm -hmm. Yes. Your daughter's living in Tokyo now. Yes. Oh, great. Um. So, what what was the transition from martial arts and kind of general interest in Buddhism to um to actual Zen practice? Like, what what was, was the gateway really there? Martial arts for most of it. In at one point, I decided in order to enhance my martial arts practice, I needed more meditation. Mm -hmm. And Kosaka Sensei being a Buddhist priest, I, he, I figured he must meditate every day. We were roommates for a while, but I wasn't there all the time. So yeah. I went to him and I said, I'm going to come to your house every day. When do you meditate? I'll meditate with you. He says, mm -hmm. I don't meditate every day. <laughs> he said, and he lives on the other side of town at this point. And he's like, you should just find a Zen temple by your house. And go sit. That's what they do. <laughs> and so I, I called uh, Kanzuyonji, where my teacher was, and I said, 
I need to sit every day. Do you sit every day? He says, yes, we sit every day. Okay, I'm coming. And I got there and it turns out my daughter was into kind of yoga stuff. As a baby, she was doing yoga poses and things. And I said, she needs some formal practice. We need to find a yoga place. And we're at Jamba Juice over here. And there's a thing up, kids yoga. I'm like, kids yoga, it's perfect. I called them, we went over. It turns out it was Kanzeonji. I didn't make a connection. Interesting. Uh, And there was a woman there teaching kids yoga. And so I met my teacher at that point and we did the the yoga and everything with them and then later i'm like this is i'm calling him this is oh i'm sorry i got it backwards i mixed it up i had called him first when i when i found okay. and he said don't come we're moving to I Oma, way out in the nice area and so i didn't go and then it was later that my daughter was born and was doing the yoga two or three years later. And I, and we went, I'm like, aren't you the same guy I talked to? Yeah. <laughs> and it's like, oh yeah, we didn't move. Everybody wanted us to stay. So we stayed. And then, so then I started. So that would have been about 98. And what, what was the teacher's name? I'm sorry. What was the teacher's name? Uh, Rugen. Rugen. Zinko mm-hmm. Rugen Watanabe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So he was a yeah. student of Matsuoko. Mm-hmm. And was he a full-time Zen teacher or what, did he have a mm-hmm. career? Yeah. Nope. As soon as he came and established Kanzeonji, he became full-time Zen teacher for 38 years. Mm-hmm. And he, um, he was, a, was he a direct Matsuoko heir or was there another mm-hmm. priest in between? No, directly under Matsuoko Roshi, mm-hmm. uh, which was kind of nice for them because they both spoke Japanese. They're both Japanese, Japanese, right? So they, they could talk to each other really well. It was nice for them. Mm-hmm. And he went to yeah. Japan with him a couple of times, at least a couple. What's that? He went with to Japan with him a couple of times. Oh, right. Mm-hmm. At least a couple. I don't know the, the details. Did he ever live at Matsuoka's temple, do you know? I don't know that people really live there. In oh, okay. I never heard of anybody living there. Matsuoka Roshi lived there. But I don't think others lived there, as okay. far as I know. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I don't think so. In, in 84, he started Kanzeonji, and in 85, Matsuo Kuroshi came and did the dedication ceremony. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he had, I guess, what we would call Suke Tokudo today mm-hmm. uh, in 84, I think, same time as Maguire Roshi. I think it was the same ceremony. Mm-hmm. Ken Maguire, Fred Maguire, and my teacher, I believe, took the Suke Tokudo, same time. And then he would have had transmission, I suppose, when they did the dedication ceremony around that time. I know for Maguire Roshi, it was similar. A few years later, he, he started his temple. My teacher went there. He and the Maguires were very close. Mm-hmm. Uh, they came to our dedication ceremony. He went to theirs. Did you ever meet Maguire before he passed away? No. I actually haven't met hardly any of my Dharma cousins other than on Facebook. Yeah. Um, so what was your first, um, what was your, what was your first um, opinion or perception of your teacher when you finally met him in person? Oh, it's the same thing. You know, he's this Japanese yogi, really. So he has this whole mystical air about him. Actually, I was pretty scared of him because mm-hmm. I was scared of Kosaka since when I started to. <laughs> and they don't, they didn't really talk. There was a head priest, an assistant priest, Zenryu. Mm-hmm. 
And so he was the one who instructed us and told us what to do and what not to do and how to do it and everything. I didn't really interact with my teacher for the first couple of years. Really, I was going every day. Interesting. But I didn't really interact with him much. We did the ceremonies and then off he would go. So no Dokusan? Not really. We had a teso that was um, not a Dharma talk, but more like a question and answer session. Mm -hmm. And so Zen Lu would gather questions from all of us on a little card. And then he and uh, Rugen also would go in the other room and they would discuss it and they would come back and Zen Lu would ask the questions and we would have a Dharma talk about our questions. And then mm -hmm. we could ask more questions if we wanted. And then when Zen Lu left and we went back to Japan, then it became my job to do that. I see. And uh, was did you, was there, was there session at the time? So we mostly did just like day long sessions, like mm -hmm. once a month on a Sunday, we do most mm -hmm. of the day. Mm -hmm. We didn't do very many like week long sessions until I came on board mm -hmm. uh, as a priest. And then more, uh, I like to do week longs. We did Mongolia. We have a sister of Sangha in Mongolia. Mm -hmm. So I think we went three years and we would do weaker, longer session there. Mm -hmm. So we didn't really do a lot, mostly just daily sitting. I asked once if we could do more session, but his routine, mind you, for basically six days a week was to get up and do his own ceremonies at the little altars and stuff in the other rooms and then come in and sit with us for uh, an hour and chant for an hour, hour and a half. Mm -hmm. and then change and do yoga for an hour or two and then prepare the meal and eat the meal and then clean the whole place and then repeat it at night. So he did that five days a week. Mm -hmm. And the only difference is on Saturday, he didn't have the night service and Sunday was his day to do laundry and grocery shopping. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but so he did that for 35 or more years. Mm -hmm. right? I think total was 38 years before I became Jushoku. So I, when I asked... Can we do like a week long session or something? He said, sure. So you could sleep there. <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> you're not changing anything. Right. <laughs> it's like, this is what I do every day. <laughs> right. Did, um, well, uh, were the uh, ceremonies in ja all in Japanese? Did, were there, did you guys use English translations? So we did English only for what we would call like public. Hanamatsuri, we would chant like Hanishingyo. We would chant it in Japanese, the Sino Japanese, and then we would chant it in English for the visitors, mm -hmm. I guess. And we would do the same thing for the Shigu Seigan, mm -hmm. for vows. We would do that. We would do it in the Sino Japanese and in English and then the Sino Japanese. Mm -hmm. Oh, and the robe chant. The robe chant, we would also do that, that same way. Sino Japanese and then English and Sino Japanese. Everything else was pretty much in Japanese. Um, I took all the English out. I, I, I never really. <laughs> so we, we don't do it. I give me a couple of complaints. I'm going to have to put some of it back in. I do it for the, the rope chant still. And I sometimes do it for the Shiva Segan. I almost never do the Hanya Shingyo in, in English. Because my root teacher was Shingonsu. And we were, that vibration, the, the vibration is very important to them. So uh -huh. we didn't try, even try to do it in Sanskrit. Kosaka Sensei's job was to translate Sanskrit into Japanese. But Mm -hmm. And so he could do some of the Sanskrit, and he, his chanting was fabulous, but mm -hmm. it was always in the Sino Japanese, mm -hmm. different tones, different speeds. We had six basic tones and six basic speeds. Mm -hmm. Did you, um, so how many people would come around on a typical, you know, group set? At Kanzionji originally with my teacher? Yeah. 
So when I first joined, we had 120 some odd members and we could fill, the, we had five buildings, five houses. They were just houses, not temples. We had five houses and people lived in some of them. And we had one for the yoga and one for the, the Zen. And we, the Zen was a small house, but it had two decent sized rooms. And we would fill those rooms. Uh, by the time I was more active, I don't know how I chased them all away, but we were down to just a few of us. Yeah, I mean, there, I think in the 80s, there's definitely a kind of a, people. I think in the late 80s and early 90s, there's kind of a Zen boom to some degree. That was that was probably the heyday yes. as far as it certainly was for us. Yeah. Yeah. We started in 85. I didn't join until 98, right? So I'm, a, I'm one of the latecomers. Mm -hmm. There's still people in the Sangha that have been around longer than me. I'm the Jinshoto, but. And um, so, uh, so what, can you talk a little bit about kind of your, you know, your clerical career progression? Did, like, how quickly did, did you do Jukai before you did? Um... So I joined in 98 and then in 2000, and I was just coming to meditate every day. I was, I, by that time, I was still coming every day. Mm -hmm. And uh, some one of my Kohai, one of the juniors, wanted to take what we called new mode. We have different words and different meanings behind them for us. I asked the people here at Zen Suzy, we call it this and we do this. And, he's, and the chief priest there said, well, you do it the old way. That's so quaint, you know, even the way I chanted and played the bells and stuff. He said, I said, I, I don't think I, I think I made some mistakes, right? Which we always do. And he's like, you do it the old way. And I said, well, I'll learn the new way. Don't worry. And he's like, I kind of like the old way. But yeah, I had to learn the new way because the bells signify things, which I didn't know. It signifies things, what people are supposed to do. Uh, they, I think they just ignored me. I was playing away. <laughs> and they said, he didn't know. Yeah. So, uh, but originally, I, I finally figured out, I, they gave me their book, right? I, have, I made a donation, but I have a book and it has everything in there when you're supposed to play the bells and how you chant. It has the English and the Japanese. And so, mm -hmm. It's fantastic. That's from Soto Shu. <laughs> That's from Soto Shu, right. Yeah. It's called... Soto School Scriptures for Daily Services and Practice. Mm -hmm. Not everything is in there. I'm over there and we're, we're going to do this. And I'm like, what page is that on? And I go, oh, it's not in there. Like, okay, I'll follow along as best I can. <laughs> so sorry, I kind of made you go off on a tangent there. But so what, what was um, the steps of your, um, your kind of clerical progression? Oh, yeah. So 98, I started with him. Of course, I had my root teacher, Kaizan Wajo, right? And then the, the Kohai was going to uh, take what we call New Mon Tokudo. It's basic, it's just a basic Buddhist initiation, right? Okay. You take the, the five vows. We only did five vows at the time. Take five vows, you get to wear a Samoe if you want. Well, I actually kind of insisted. You're supposed to wear Samoe, black Samoe, and we gave them a brown wagesa, not a, not a rakus, but a, just a wagesa. Uh, and originally they had Sotoshu emblems on it, but later we did it with just Dharma wheels, which mm -hmm. was interesting. And, and you get a Buddhist name at that point? And you, get, and you get your Buddhist name. So I did that in 2000. I got the name Jozen. Mm -hmm. uh, you don't get a Dogo. You don't you only get, I forgot mm -hmm. what it was called, Kaigo, I think. Kaigo. Uh, you only get the one name. And that, um, and you're taking refuge in the three treasures. Right, three treasures, and you vow not to do anything bad anymore and do only good mm -hmm. things. Uh, mm -hmm. But instead of, it's basically the same, usually we do the Bodhisattva vows, 16, I think, in Sotoshu is the current standard, 10 vows, and there's six others for the two and three, right? Mm -hmm. uh, but you just take out the second five out of the 10, mm -hmm. and that's what we did for Nimon Dokodok. 
Okay. And then we had Zaike Tote after that, mm -hmm. uh, which was Day. Now, so closer to the Jukai, I think. Mm -hmm. But we gave it a lot more importance. To us, you you were becoming a priest in the temple mm -hmm. if you took Zaike Tote. Because the only people who would take uh, Suke Tokudo were the people who lived in the temple. If you did mm -hmm. not live in the temple, you could not take Suke Tokudo. Because mm -hmm. you're uh, literally leaving home. Right. You, you actually had to leave home yeah. <laughs> and shave your head. Yeah. You couldn't leave. Your, if you took Zyke, you could keep your hair. Uh, most people shaved it for the ceremony, but you could keep your hair after that. Um, and you only wore a, 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 you could wear, you wore black Rakusu, but the people who took Shuke Tokudo could wear a dark brown. Mm -hmm. And do you know if um, the progression of the, you know, initially getting the Buddhist name and taking the refuges? And then the, the the actual ordination initiation did that come from Matsuoka, or was that something originated directly from my teacher? He felt uh -huh. he had the not the ability. We had this discussion for a while. So is it a Sotoshu <laughs> ordination because we're not really officially part of Sotoshu, right? right? So we just kind of left it open. <laughs> I mean, my my Kichimaku is a Sotoshu Kichimaku, right? right? But we also had the discussion when I took. Uh, when I finally got what we call Dendoshi uh, transmission for him, which we also give more importance than the regular Denpo, uh, because it's the highest thing we can give, really, right? So we'll give it, we elevate it in our own eyes. Um, now, I, he said, now you could add your name to it. But then he was like, hmm, but it's Sotoshu. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I mean, Maybe just start with Matsu Konoshi, right? And then <laughs> and him and then me, We're three of us, right? <laughs> New yeah. chart. But then I talked to some of our cousins, and they're all using the whole chair. Mm -hmm. I mean, if you think about it, the, you know, there's Dogen's lineage, right? right. It's, it's still branch. There's which is it's a little branch. Yeah, there's Sotoshu, which is just which is literally a organization. Right. It's it's it's, it's not the only Dogen lineage. You know, it, it right. was for a while, but you know, yeah. So so we. We decided we would go ahead and put, we just use the whole catching up in the chart for yeah. one of my pieces of paper, right? Yeah, because, you know, even even in the Suzuki Roshi lineage, you know, a pretty significant number of the priests are not actually officially Sotoshu priests. I mean, it's oh, not registered. I, I found this, I did a, I was invited to a Sotoshu conference, Sotoshu USA conference. Mm -hmm. And I thought I'm going as the only one that's the non-registered little thing, right? And so they were. We had our, we had a little poster board up with our, things about our temple, and people were asking me about. It. I said, "Well, we're not official Sotoshu." He said, "What do you mean by that?" I said, "We're not registered. I'm not registered." You know, uh, and they said, "Oh, neither are we." <laughs> like, what do you mean? You're, you're listed on the website. And later, I was actually asked if we wanted to be listed, and um, so that was kind of interesting. It's like I thought I'm the only one, <laughs> but it turns out there's there's lots of them all across America. That, they're not really registered. I thought and, it was just Kuroshi's people. So, so you took the refuge, um, got a Buddhist name, and then did, do you feel that changed your practice at all, or was it just kind of continuing on? I just on? did it because he told me to. He says, your Kohai is doing it, and you're here all the time, so you should do it. And I said, okay, whatever. And Zaike Tote was almost the same thing. I took that six years later in 2006. It's a different mm -hmm. Kohai, I think. It's like, oh, your Kohai is going to take this Zaike Tote. I didn't even ask what it is or what it means. <laughs> this is, they're going to take it. You should take it. I'm like, whatever you say, I'll do it. Yeah. <laughs> That's a flaw. 
did you um so uh at any point did your direct formal contact with them in a practice context change did you start going to dokusan did you yeah so even after the regular Nimon Tokudo, I was a lot more active, uh, and so there were there were times to. It wasn't re it was not really official Dokusan. I, I shouldn't say that. We just yeah. met. Uh -huh. I talked to you. <laughs> so as Marion is not very very informal. Uh -huh. uh, just sometimes about my practice, sometimes about anything. So I didn't even know the word Dokusan. It was just like, can I talk to you? And of course, uh -huh. and we would sit down and we would talk. And then by the time I took Zaike Tote, we were doing that regularly because I was there after everybody else went home. I had a very flexible schedule, right? So everybody else went home and we would sit, I mean, we would go into the other rooms and uh, he has a his own little circuit of chants and things he does. He has some Shingon influence and some Tendai influence and some Nichiren influence. And so, and he, of course he's a Zen yogi. He has a, he's a, he's a swan. So we had this uh, whole little routine we did going to the little altars. And I had to go in there and, or before everything and change the water. And, uh -huh. And stuff and afterwards we went in there we would do these chants uh little rituals and then after that we would sit down and have another cup of tea together uh -huh. often if i was still there and then i could ask anything and talk about uh -huh. anything so there was i was never i don't remember any formal it was he was my teacher and we spent a lot of time together uh -huh. could could you elaborate on what you mean by that he's a zen yogi what, what uh, there in one of the teachers that he had, Yi Jima Sensei, uh, was really big on this idea of Buddhist yoga, mm -hmm. with the feeling that Shakyamuni Butsu wasn't a Buddhist, he was a yogi. Mm -hmm. And that what we're doing is a very simplified version of, well, actually, not even simplified, a very early yoga. The original yoga was basically meditation, mm -hmm. taking a posture could be Hankafusa or Kekafusa or some other posture. We actually have 20 basic postures, right? And you take that posture and you meditate there. That's uh -huh. it. That was the original yoga in our minds. Uh -huh. And later we get this Hatha yoga, which we also incorporated. We did a lot of Hatha yoga. <laughs> and of course, he's a tantric priest. Uh, so, because of Swami. So, all of these elements were mixed in, in, his, in his mind. There was no difference between them. There was no separation between them. So we, we even had Shinto elements, right? So he's not a Shinto priest in any way. He would often be, I don't know anything, but this is what I was taught. So I did this little bit that I was taught. And I did the same thing. I went to a Shinto priest and I had a few interactions. And he said, okay, now you can do this whenever there's an opening ceremony or there's a this or that. And cool. Not a Shinto priest in any way. I know nothing but these two or three little ceremonies. That he taught me. <laughs> so I do this. Yeah because that's a Shinto thing. We call it Zen archery, but it's actually more Shinto than Zen. But uh, was was he um he's Japanese American, correct? Yes. I yes. think he's he has a green card. Yeah. yeah. was he born in Japan and came here? Came yeah. here in the early eighties, met Matsurakoshi here. But he you said he Roshi even earlier, so I don't know where that comes in. But I'm sorry, say that again. I, I he had Roshi even earlier. So he had some teacher previous to Matsurakoshi. He's had several teachers, and after also, uh, this Ijima sensei I mentioned is, is later. Do you know what brought him to the States? I don't. Mm -hmm. I don't know why he decided to come here. I think it's his personality. <laughs> He's, we're, we're kind of, by being under Matsuoka, we're kind of these black sheep kind of thing, right? I think that he, he prefers that. <laughs> and in Japan, that might be a little hard. I, I shouldn't say that on 
public forum, however. <laughs> but I think it's my own image. Could be yeah. totally wrong. I've only known him for 20 something years. Did um what um like like what in what way did he teach you? Did he mostly teach you through his presence, watching him? I mean, would he instruct you a lot? I mean, what um very little instruction from any of my teachers. We mm -hmm. they tell you when you're wrong. <laughs> can't do that okay but the the principles come out in in how you move and what you do and learning to live inside robes and inside a temple and how you move around and how you do things and you know the, the straightness of things and the ways things can be different <laughs> and where they can't be different that was always interesting you can do this but you can't do that and i always would have to, why this but not that what's the difference between the two the difference between teachers having different teachers actually is kind of nice because you need one that you're going to bounce everything off of this is this this must be the way i want to do it because i chose this teacher right but mm -hmm. then that's a little different that's a little different in being able to see particularly the similarities mm -hmm. so you have four teachers let's say and these four teachers all do this well that mm -hmm. must be important mm -hmm. but this thing they all do differently well that's their way of interpretation right but mm -hmm. you get to see that that's particularly the similarities like it's always done like this or some principle in there yeah it's different but this part that's the same mm -hmm. so well, i want to get that mm -hmm. uh so it's not like you said you'd have like okay here's buddhism 101 Never here's the four noble truths here's the eightfold path it was it was more here are the forms and let's manifest practice through these forms that's right and my, my root teacher, Kosaka Sensei, actually told me, don't read anything. Mm -hmm. I could ask, but don't read anything. It didn't stop me. I mean, I still read some things. But, uh, and we translated the sutras. I said we, don't, we didn't chant them. We didn't chant them in English. Mm -hmm. But we read them in English, and mm -hmm. we could talk about what we read. Mm -hmm. uh, that, that was actually, I wouldn't say it was encouraged, but it, it perfectly fine. Mm -hmm to understand what it is you're chanting and talk about that. Mm -hmm. We didn't have Dharma talks. We had those question and answer sessions. And that was your chance. Mm -hmm. You know, we could ask what Buddhism 101 is if you want, you know. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and it would come out in there. Mm -hmm. uh, but Doku-san usually had to do more with what you were doing wrong. Not mm -hmm. don't do it anymore. <laughs> which is, I mean, which is a very Japanese way, you know. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, when I've spent times at more traditional temples, you're not given any instruction. You're only told when you do something wrong, and then yeah. you have to infer <laughs> what the right way. Yeah, it's nice or to you know it's not just me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But yeah, that's the way that I was taught. You just okay. you keep doing, and it works. I don't know how it works, mm -hmm. but it works. Yeah. So, like, especially when I first started teaching Zen, right? It's like I don't know anything. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I did have some kind of experience back in the, in, when was that real deep experience? 2008, yes. So in 2008, I had this kind of Kensho, I guess we'd call it or something, right? Mm -hmm. And so my teacher recognized it and my root teacher recognized it. The students seemed to recognize something. I was like, that was interesting. <laughs> mm -hmm. You know, but uh, then my root teacher, the one who told me, don't read anything, brought me a box of books. Mm -hmm. 
after the kid show. And then he said, you should read some of these because it'll give you the words to talk about your experience. Because he was right, I had no idea. Mm -hmm. were no words to describe that experience, right? Mm -hmm. uh, so that was kind of interesting. What, when did that happen? Did that happen during a... But <laughs> that's a whole other story, right? <laughs> I, sorry, I talked over you. Say that again, please. Well, I just said that those kinds of experiences are almost irrelevant. Mm -hmm. Could you elaborate on that, please? The real thing is what everyone could do is live right here, right now with reality as it is right in front of us. Mm -hmm. That's it. Mm -hmm. Everything else is how to manifest that. And this kind of lifestyle is the easiest way. Mm -hmm. Right? But you just do it every moment, every day, wherever you're doing it, right? We all know that. Mm -hmm. So you, yes, you can have these little experiences that are fantastic. And, and you do you live with it more maybe after those sometimes, mm -hmm. right? It polishes. Mm -hmm. It polishes. Uh, but the most important thing that everybody does, or tries to. Would it be fair to say that your Kensho experience kind of showed you the importance of living in the moment and being, as opposed to... Um, it was, it's kind of funny because then you say, well, why don't we just live like this every moment of every day all the time? Why would it slip away, right? But mm -hmm. it takes you a while to recognize that it's a continuous practice. It's a way of living, not a, it's not a moment. So I even hesitate using that Kensho idea, right? Mm -hmm. And that's why I say it's kind of irrelevant because it's like, yeah. it's not about that. It's about every moment, mm -hmm. right? So, and anybody who's had any of those experiences eventually recognizes that. It's, mm -hmm. So it's a little bit of, the words are tough. <laughs> None of them are quite right, right? That's yeah. just the way it is. So, so your opening, was that during a, a, a retreat or was that just going about your normal day or? Actually, it was doing Kudo. Kudo? It had been my practice for so long and I was just isolated, really deep kind of meditation while I was shooting. And it was like, wow, who shot that? <laughs> and then it was interesting. Mm -hmm. And um, so you, so you, um, so initially, you, initially you took ordination as a home, uh, you know, staying at home and taking ordination. Right. Yeah. Did you later? My, my teacher told me that's as high as I could go. And if okay. I lived in the temple. That was just nothing he could do for me. Mm -hmm. and that, I just took it because he told me to anyhow. So I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> Is that why you wear the green rakasu instead of brown? No, I can wear whatever I want. Okay. I have a yellow one. I have, I have fancy ones. Yeah. <laughs> this is just my cat. I'm wearing a Samuay and casual. I don't want to get too fancy of a rakasu. Right. Uh -huh. Casual of clothes. Now, I like this. This is made by a friend, uh, a Nabdana brother in uh, Cuba. Cuba. Oh, okay. And he made this for me. Thank you very much. Uh -huh. Maybe a couple of them. And, uh, very, very nice. <laughs> when you say Dharma brother, um, a student of your teacher's? No, he's a totally different lineage and everything, but we're just, I, I feel very close to him. Mm -hmm. Makes sense. Um, so, so eventually you got transmission from your teacher. So, yeah. So he had to find a workaround. I said, it's not happening. I have a wife and a daughter and a job. So I case five. Mm -hmm. He says, well, maybe one day we could find a way to give you transmission. This was years later. Mm -hmm. Right. And I'm like, that would be kind of cool. <laughs> I'll take it. I love, I love pieces of paper. I'll take it. <laughs> and 
And he's like, well, no, I can't, I can't, you know. And then I have a little Zendo in the back here. Uh, before I had the space, I had a little Zendo in the back. It's still there. I still got for my personal practice. And uh, I was sitting there. It was basically for my personal practice. I didn't go there to Kanzayonji every day anymore. And I bought this house. And so I could sit there. And it was great. And I said, some of the Kudo students, particularly, and a few other people want to come. And I only have Zaike today. But remember, again, we, we, we consider that a person with Zaike a priest of the temple. Uh-huh. We, we really equate it with Suke Tokuno. Uh-huh. They're the same, just one lives in the temple and one lives at home. We didn't, we didn't have this big separation between them. Uh-huh. Uh, and he said, you're a priest. Well, go ahead, do it. No uh-huh. problem. I'm like, I'm not really comfortable. <laughs> so I had traveled with him to different people's homes and we would dedicate their little altars on their homes or bless the house or bless their pets or their cars. Or, we had all kinds of these ceremonies we would do, right? Mm-hmm. I said, I'll tell you what, you, you want me to do it. That's fine. I'll do it. But you have to come and bless my little Zendo. We'll do a little blessing ceremony in my Zendo. And I'll take that as a really definite, I have your permission to take and show people how to do Zendo. Not ordain or anything like that. Just basic teachings, answer questions. He says, oh, if you know the answer, you should answer. If you don't know the answer, ask me, right? <laughs> and I said, okay, if you'll come and do that blessing ceremony like we've done many times, I'll do it. And he said, okay. And we picked the day and I, I go pick him up. He has a car, but I go pick him up. He likes it. And I bring him over uh-huh. and we do this most elaborate, fantastic. A lot of my students come a dozen or so. And... Uh, blessing ceremony with fire and water and air and incense uh-huh. and candles and flint stones and it was it was just beautiful we had a snack after and i'm taking him home and i said i really want to thank you i've done a lot of these ceremonies with you and that is the most elaborate most beautiful blessing ceremony we've ever done thank uh-huh. you so much and he's like oh that's not a blessing ceremony that's a temple dedication ceremony uh-huh. What did you that's call your little Zendo? I said, that's Jizo An. He's like, yes, yes, yes. So that's Jizo An, and you're the Anju. So you see my name, Jozen Anju, right? You're the Anju of Jizo An. He said, uh, later I learned this is more for like retired abbots who have a little temple off the side of the main temple. Or something. But I didn't know that. Yeah. And he didn't explain it. Really. He would just tell stories about different Anjus to me. So here's a nice story about an Anju. Here's a little nice story about an Anju. And I used to call him Osho-san. It's kind of like... Uh, casual way of talking about your teacher without his name and everything but it helps also emphasize some people think you're elevating by only talking about his title but actually by especially by using son after you are uh, taking the person out of it and more respecting the role uh-huh. so my anju son is more respecting my role as an anju as opposed uh-huh. to which is just somebody who lives in an anju <laughs> and uh as opposed to trying to elevate me. And I only use it in my name because he called me Anjusan. So when we would travel around Mongolia and the other places and do things, he would call me Anjusan. So they would all call me Anjusan. So if I just use Jozen, it, they're looking for Anju. <laughs> so to them, the Anju isn't a title. It's more like part of my name. Uh-huh. Right? So I had, I had debated for a long time, especially on Facebook. It's like, do I use, what do I use? Jozen, do I do Jozen? <laughs> I didn't have I didn't have a dogo. Sometimes today when you take even shuke they give you a dogo and your 
regular Dharma name, right? Mm-hmm. And you just don't use the one. But I didn't. I didn't have it. I only had. I didn't get one either. Yeah. Right. Uh, even Zaike Tote is still just one. Mm-hmm. Uh, and even when I got transmission, he didn't initially give me my Dogo. I didn't have it now. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I became Jushoku, and I still didn't have it. Oh, and then I, I started going to Zen Suji more, and they kept asking me what it was, and they thought I was being humble or something, I guess. So, so what's your... <laughs> no, I don't have it. It's just Jozen, right? And so I finally told him, I said, you know, they keep asking. And he says, well, that's a very special thing. We don't, we don't do that. Okay, okay. Mm-hmm. Give me a little bit of time. <laughs> he says, I guess you, you should have it. You should have it. So he, he did that. Same with the transmission, right? Originally, he said, I can't have it. I have to have Shukei Tokudo. I have to live in the monastery mm-hmm. or with him. Not really a monastery. I have to live with him, right? live mm-hmm. in the temple. And then you could get transmission. Mm-hmm. And so he, he kept just saying, we can't, I, I know I talked to you about it before, but we can't do it unless you could live in Eden. So I guess we can't do that. Mm-hmm. And I think eventually what he decided, we never talked about this, but I think what he decided is I'm Anju here. This mm-hmm. was a dedicated, he dedicated this temple. This mm-hmm. is a temple. I, at that time, I considered the whole back of the house, the temple, this part and that part, and then I live yeah. over there, right? And it's like two separate things. But to me, like the whole thing is a temple now. But uh, just my house, just my oh, spaces. And I think what he finally bent his rule with, I am living in the temple. Mm-hmm. I've been living here. I'm living in Jesus alone. Yeah. Right? So to him, I think he was able to, in his mind, say, okay, Maybe that's okay. And so then he started saying, uh, maybe one day you, I, I'll give you a transmission. He said, and I think this must be a story because I've heard this from other teachers. He says, on my deathbed, I'm going to open one eye. And if you're there, I might give you a transmission. And I, I, I talked to another teacher in another lineage and stuff, and, and his father had told him the same thing. Right. And somebody else said, oh, yeah, my, mine was something like that. So I think it, there must be some old story. I've never found the story. Okay. It must be some story where the guy says this. I'm laying on my deathbed, and I'm going to open one eye, and if you're there, I might give you transmission. I'm assuming, because otherwise my teacher... Yeah. yeah. If there's three, I have three instances of people saying this, right? So I think it must be true. Um, but the final one was... 2016, he was like, I think I'm going to retire. 2017, mm-hmm. or 16, 17. I get dates mixed up, but around that time, he says, uh, I'm going to retire. Mm-hmm. What do you want to do? I said, same as always, I'll do whatever you tell me. <laughs> and he says, well, what do you want? You know, I said, well, if I'm taking over, which it sounds like, uh, I'll probably need the offer. <laughs> Right? He's like, okay, okay, okay. And then a few months later, he was like, did you still want transmission? And I was like, I don't care what you do. <laughs> you tell me what to do, I do it. And he's like, well, I already drew up the paperwork. <laughs> we were the only ones there that if there's outside, if there's outside. So we'll do it. And we went in the other room. We had this kind of little brief ceremony thing, and he gave me some paperwork and stuff. And then he's like, if you want a big ceremony, you want to invite a bunch of people, let me know. And I'm like, I don't care. <laughs> you know, you tell me what to do, I do it. That's that's I'm I'm not really ever in charge. I only do what I'm told. And uh, that's not totally true because I'm doing stuff now that he doesn't really care for. But yeah. Um, 
I told them it's American Zen, it's a new age, a new time. COVID did that, right? So I had one of my top Unsui, uh, he really wanted to do Zoom practice. So we are talking to you on Zoom. My teacher would never do this. Uh -huh. And I told him, I said, Hojo-san wants to do Zoom practice because uh -huh. we can't meet in person right now. He says, no Zoom, no Zoom, we don't do Zoom. Uh -huh. right? I'm like, well, how else are we gonna meet? You know, he says, everybody practice on their own, report to you, right? And, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, Hojo-san was like meeting. So I finally said, okay, we'll do it. You're in charge. Uh -huh. And I went to my teacher and I said, we're doing Zoom. And he's like, no Zoom. <laughs> no Zoom. And then, I don't know, it's quite a bit later. We're already still doing it. I went and visited him at his farm. Uh -huh. a farm. He had a farm. We're doing Zoom. You know, we're doing Zoom. Right? He's like, I'm glad it's you instead of me. <laughs> because I think you finally recognize it. It's just... I said, it's a new time. It's a new era. We right. don't have any choice. This, I know you don't like it, but that's what we're doing. And there were other things like that that I changed. I wear Samaway to our public. I sometimes wear Samaway and Rakusu to our, I often wear Samaway and Rakusu to our daily 7 a.m. and 7 p.m. Uh -huh. Totally forbid by him. Has to be with full robes. We did wear Rakusu. Uh, we were a little different there. Most people that I found in Sotoshu, particularly, I think most in places, they wear kesa for the ceremonies all the time. And, but we didn't. We only wore kesa outside. So it's almost backwards. We wore the kesa to protect us. Uh -huh. And so when we would go outside, we were somewhere, <laughs> we would put on the kesa. Uh -huh. But in the ceremonies, we would wear our robes and wear rakasa. Uh -huh. And I asked my teacher, I, I got the same answer I usually give him. I said, how come we do it this way? But at Sotoshi, when I go, they do it that way. He's like, oh, that's the way Matsuokuroshi did it. <laughs> so, okay. And that was the answer uh, almost all the time. Uh -huh. Every once in a while, there'd be something he said, oh, I did that. Uh -huh. um, can you talk a little bit about the um, sister song in Mongolia, like who they are, how that came about? That was amazing. So it was originally actually off of Facebook. I don't do a lot of talking in the other pages. I have pages and groups that I started, but I don't really do much in them. I'm mostly just on my own timeline, posting whatever I'm doing today. Uh, and my memories, lots of memories since COVID, mostly memories. Um, but if somebody said something that needed to be said, then great, I don't have to say anything. But every once in a while, there would be a conversation going on, I would say, this really needs to be said and nobody's saying it. So I guess I better say it. <laughs> I would put it in, put it on. Uh -huh. And then, so I, I was contacted by a fellow in Mongolia. I didn't know he was in Mongolia. Uh -huh. Message on Facebook. Uh -huh. And uh, he said, do you ordain? And I said, I don't, but my teacher could ordain. What's the situation? And he's like, can you ordain online? And I was like, nope, I can guarantee you my teacher will not do that. <laughs> This prior to your transmission or afterwards? Yes, prior to my transmission. Mm -hmm. um, and I said, you'd have to come here and you'd have to train. But that's the only way. Mm -hmm. And he answered, okay, I'm coming. Okay. I've actually had a few of those. Mm -hmm. Fine. And then a month or so later, we knock on the temple door. I'm here. Okay, and you are? Invited <laughs> me. And so we trained him a little bit, and then he came a couple more times, and we trained him a little more. And he said, you know, of course, by then we knew he's from Mongolia, and he's like, uh, can you come to Mongolia? And we're like, 
Sure. I said, we'll come. So my teacher and I went and we gave him Zaike Tote at that time. I think, I think he actually did, we did the ceremony here. And then we went and we did new Montokudo for some of his had a gathering, gathering more already. <laughs> and uh, we gathered a few more. And actually, they have a pretty strong song. I think we went three times, 2013, 14, 16, maybe. I think so. Again, you know, I'm not good with dates. And stuff. Uh-huh. In that basic time frame, two or three times we went and we would do this week long, at least, uh, sashi. Uh-huh. And, and we had rooms there and people would stay. I think the last time we even did yoga. Uh-huh. Last two times we did yoga. But it, it wasn't a real strong sashi or anything, but all day doing something, you know, sitting, chanting, cooking, being like my teacher's lifestyle. Uh-huh. Even said after he says, we called it a session. He's like, you know, that's not really a session. I did that every day. I'm like, I know. <laughs> session is much harder. Like, okay. He says, this is more like retreat. I'm like, okay. <laughs> it's probably true. Because <laughs> he trained in Japan. I don't know those details. I only know from Matsuoka Shion, but And even then, I don't know details. We didn't talk much. We trained. Uh-huh. That's it. We sat, chanted. I mean, it sounds like he probably spent a little bit of time in, a, in an official monastery. Uh, I don't know. I know he liked to travel and visit temples. Mm-hmm. Um, and so um, today, what is, what is the institutional relationship between your sangha and the sister sangha? Is it just informal? So he now has transmission. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, we see shortly after I did. Mm-hmm. And so he's, he's he runs it. He can ordain. He can do whatever he wants there, just like I can do here. Mm-hmm. Um, We've talked about me coming, but COVID, of course, kind of in that. My teacher and I, our pictures are still up on the wall. Uh-huh. <laughs> you know, so yeah, we're a sister sangha. He he runs his own. He has the lineage directly from my teacher, just like I do. Uh-huh. My teacher's actually only given transmission to four of us. Uh-huh. Zendru, who was here and moved back to Japan and now has moved to Canada. Uh-huh. Shozen also moved back to Japan. When you say back to Japan, they were Japanese. They that were Japanese, here. right? Yeah. The early priests were all Japanese, mm-hmm. so they have transmission in. Senator have been pretty quick, somewhere in the late '80s, probably. Mm-hmm. Shozen, I think, was in the mid '90s, and then nobody. Even when we were supposed to do ceremonies, he's like, "You know how to do this ceremony, right?" I'm like, "I've never seen it." <laughs> <laughs> Right? Shuke Tokudo. He's like, you're going to do Shuke Tokudo? And I'm like, we've never given anybody Shuke Tokudo since I started. <laughs> we had people living in the temple and they had Mimon for regular entry. Uh-huh. Uh, I think Raquel had Zaike Tokudo. I have to look at the temple records. I have all the records. Uh-huh. I'm pretty sure she has Zaike Tokudo, but she lived in the temple. So I assume she had transmission or Shuke Tokudo. Uh-huh. She didn't. She just lived there. She ran, helped run everything. She was very good. Yeah. So, um, you, you know, I've, I've seen your pictures of you uh, um, participating in ceremonies at uh, Zinsuji. And for yeah. those who don't know about Soto, so that's the Japanese Soto mission in LA. Right. How, how did that relationship start up? So that was fairly interesting. Yes. So after I became Jushoku here, I really had very little experience outside of Kanzeonji and my root teacher. That was my really what I all I knew. And I suddenly realized maybe I should know more. 
right? It seems pretty simple, what everybody else do. But I didn't think Sotoshu would accept me. Again, I thought I was the only outlying thing, mm -hmm. right? And so I went to all the other little mostly American-run Zen centers, sitting groups. Like Zen Center of Los Angeles, Maizumi. Uh, even less <laughs> known. <laughs> Somebody who didn't seem anything, but somebody who decided to have a sitting group, and they, most of them probably didn't even have transmissions. Maybe some of them did. Mm -hmm. uh, I didn't understand any of that. Mm -hmm. I know what we did, but I didn't know what everybody else did. I didn't know our names, the way we named everything, the way we held everything was so different. Like when I said I had Zaiketote, to me, that that's a priest. That's full mm -hmm. on priest. But mm -hmm. to some people, that's just like Dukai. It's just like, mm -hmm. To me, that was more like Newmon. It turns out Newmon's lower. And the way they treat, most people treat Zaike and uh, Jukai are a little, so our new moon is a little lower than <laughs> than that, but our Zyke is a little higher <laughs> than the others. We, it was a little odd. And we don't have Denpal, we just have Dendoshi, which we consider again a little more. Mm -hmm. it, we, we consider it, you're a full blown on priest with the temple and you can ordain and you can do everything. Uh, although my teacher originally, when I first took Tenshinus, and he asked that he approve anybody that I would in fact I would involve him in all the ceremonies he would come and actually perform the first ceremonies after I took uh, he would come perform the ceremonies mm -hmm. and uh, so anyway so you went to Zen Suji so actually so that, that's the way all that worked and then my root teacher was having a gathering for mostly the Kudo people but he knew the chief priest at Zen Suji and there were these guys visiting from Cuba Thank you very much. And <laughs> they came to the gathering with my root teacher. Mm -hmm. And they and one of the people introduced me as Jozen Anju. Mm -hmm. And the chief priest was there and he said, Oh, Anju, so what is the name of your aunt? And I said, Jizo An. And this was in the middle of summer, and Jizo An is usually usually around August, July or August, mm -hmm. in the temple. And he said, in this case, it's August, and he said, Oh, in August. We're having Jizobon, you should come. And I said, that would be fabulous because I've never seen an official Jizobon ceremony. I'll come and I'll, I'll be able to watch it. And he said, you have robes, right? I'm like, yes, I have robes. He said, bring those. <laughs> like, okay. So I came and it turns out most, there was usually three or four priests there. But in this case, uh, two of them had gone back to Japan. So he was running the ceremony with another junior priest who actually knows everything. It's very, very and uh, he's just never had transmission yet. And me, the three of us. And again, I'd never even seen it before. It turns out not to be too hard, but we were a little different and we didn't do that. So we changed the Hanyashin Gyo inside, Dahishin outside, and then Dahishin inside. It wasn't too much different. Uh, but he says, Can you do Doan Ino? Now, Kanzionji, we had a chief priest and an assistant priest, and that's it. And people who come. <laughs> And so I didn't even know the term. So we uh -huh. called the, this assistant priest just, you know, that was it. So we had, we didn't even use doshi. We just had the abbot <laughs> and Eno. And Eno basically did everything, <laughs> whatever, whatever you could do. And so we divided it up. Even We can't play bells. What I, what I know today is you play the bells and then somebody's being jisha and they're bringing things around. Uh -huh. And we would just bring things around and we wouldn't play the bells because nobody's there. And then we'd come, then we'd play a few different bells. <laughs> Because there's only two people, so we, we divided right. it up as best we can. Uh, 
but those are the only two, the only real word I knew was Eno. And so he's like, can you do Doan Eno? And I'm like, probably. What does Doan Eno do? <laughs> yes. What is it? <laughs> and he explained it. And I said, I'll do that. <laughs> but I, we didn't have a dance show. So we didn't have to. Ding, 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 ding. Yeah. We, if we did it at all, we would just do it on a little belt. Right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> we didn't have a dance show. So. And we and again we couldn't play those bells because I was jisha at that time, so <laughs> I couldn't do denso and jisha at the same time. Uh -huh. right? So he's like, "So you had to play the denso?" I'm like, "Probably." <laughs> How do you do that? Right? It turns out the other priest ended up doing that for me. But, uh, <laughs> so there's things I didn't know how to do, uh -huh. and that was really interesting. It turns out also. Our bells were a little different. I don't know if I mentioned it. So he, he called it the old way. I said, "Oh, you do it the old way." Uh -huh. uh, so yeah, I did mention. It. So he kind of just—I think he just did whatever you're supposed to do, regardless of my bells, or maybe they matched up. Uh -huh. That's why he was being dosi. So that was my first experience at Zensuji. Uh -huh. Automatically thrown right into being doan, you know. And then I, I knew there were mistakes. Obviously, I didn't know exactly what I was doing for theirs. I can play. I can play Kanzi on Jesus way all day long with my eyes closed. Right? Uh -huh. uh, it's a little different. Most of the things they do from there's echoes and things they do that we never did. He handled all of that. <laughs> it was great. And then he's. I was like, that's the last time they're inviting me here. Uh -huh. And he's like, can you come next month? I'm like, sure. I'll come. I'll come. So I, I came. First year, every they had basically a monthly ceremony, and so I, I came that first year, just about every month I think, and then I tapered off. I missed a few, and then uh -huh. came sometimes. And then he, every once in a while, he would invite me back again. Usually when they're short priests, uh -huh. uh, and then I asked one time, I said, you know, when do you want me to come? He's like, oh, you can come anytime. <laughs> COVID stopped it at one time at the beginning of COVID. Uh, I came to New Year's Day, I think it was that year, and then he said, you know, we're, we're only going to, we're going to try to keep minimize, instead of trying to get more priests on the platform, we're going to minimize it and just have a few of us on the platform, mm -hmm. so we're not throwing everything under each other all, all day long. <laughs> and then after things calmed down a little bit, you know, as long as we wear a mask, it was fine, come on over. Uh, do, you, do you do doshi? Are you ever the doshi there? No, that would, I don't think that would happen. <laughs> I'm not even a real Sotosu priest, right? So uh, that would have to be. I play. I, I copy their their ceremony sometimes here, mm -hmm. uh, my variation thereof. When when we um, when we first chatted, I've done the others. I've done just oh. about every other position. Doan, you know, we have a few other positions in Jisha, of course. Either there or Long Beach or Sozenji. There's three Sotosu temples here. Okay. Japanese priests in them. So I've done some position as best I could, those three and, and others. Well, the others, I, I was just a visitor. I never actually was up on the platform performing at the others. There's only three up on the platform. Uh -huh. Oh, that's not true. I did a Jodoshi then. <laughs> that was interesting. When, uh, when we first chatted, uh, you mentioned that they offered to kind of normalize you and bring you into Sotoshu, but you didn't so want to do there, that. There was a point, when I, even when I first went, he said, now, Matsuokuro, uh, she kind of, you know, things happened, and so you're not, mm -hmm. there. would you like to be 
official. We could grandfather you in mm-hmm. somehow with something. And I don't know exactly what that entailed. Uh, mm-hmm. And I said, I'm, my teacher gave me transmission. And I, I really liked this, that it was a personal relationship that came down rather than just a organization kind of thing. Not, not that those, that wouldn't be nice. Mm-hmm. It's a nice, nice thing to be part of the big organization. I certainly really like being included rather exclu- than excluded. Mm-hmm. I, if they would say, oh, <laughs> then I was like, I would be disappointed, right? But they didn't do that at all. Never, never, ever. Always very welcoming. Uh, everyone I've ever met in Sotoshu is like, you know, thank you for coming. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know. Mm-hmm. At one time, I wore a really fancy kesa, and that was, they never said anything until I didn't wear. <laughs> he said, wear whatever you wear in your temple. So I wore that fancy kesa, that's what I wear in my temple. <laughs> and I wore it. And then one day, I think I didn't, I thought I didn't have it. I had to put a, a black one, I think, on top. Mm-hmm. And I said, I don't think I have my regular kesa, but I have this black one. Is that okay? And he's like, actually, that one you were wearing was pretty fancy. <laughs> Yeah, so, Sotoshu has extremely strict rules. About- there is a, right. he says, that's really for like really, really high people or uh, really, really old people. <laughs> if you're not high, if you were really old, maybe you could wear that. Right? Um, and so I said, I, I didn't know. <laughs> and I, he thought I was so cute, I think, because then I would come back with different cases. Well, how about this one? <laughs> I have one now. They like very nice. It's a very nice brown case. It's very fancy, actually. Material is very nice. Uh-huh. So, material is inherited from my, my teacher. Right? Uh, after I got Roshi, King Roshi, he gave me this nice brown case. Uh, even with the Sotoshu, the Sotoshu shop. There's Sotoshu shops in Japan. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I ordered one just for me that I thought was the right color and everything. And he didn't say anything, but, <laughs> but he did kind of. I said, yeah. how about this one? And he said, yeah, you could wear that. And he says, but you don't have any questions, right? If you wear that, you don't have any questions. <laughs> Something like that. <laughs> I think they just don't like answering questions. <laughs> just do the practice, do it right. And then... Uh, because it's even a little hard to get, you did that wrong. Mm-hmm. Afterwards, I would ask. I, I almost stopped asking, almost. Uh, so what was my worst mistake today, right? And uh, they would like, oh, you just need more practice. You're doing fine. <laughs> like, That's not going to help. <laughs> Make the same mistake next month. <laughs> but uh, they're getting better and better at uh, giving us, oh, not a rehearsal, but a little clues before sometimes we can mm-hmm. go out half hour before, whatever, this is what we're going to do, mm-hmm. right? Because they put it on a piece of paper, but it's usually in Japanese. And so everyone saw that we'd come by and say, oh, Jose, Jose, this is what, I can read a little bit Japanese, but not that stuff. I mean, yeah, we're going to do three bows here. That's the Hanya Shingyo. <laughs> the rest of it, I have no idea. <laughs> right? So they would come by and say, we're going to do this and then this and this and this. And sometimes it would happen like that. Yeah. So are you still doing martial arts these days? COVID slowed me down, uh-huh. some Tai Chi, and yoga, uh-huh. things like that. But, uh, Did you try the online classes, both giving and taking, and I didn't. Yeah, so um, did you make black belt in, in, um, in judo? So not judo, but kudo. I have, uh, we don't call black belt. I have, I have fifth dan in uh, uh-huh. kudo. 
Mm-hmm. And I have some honorary degrees above that in some other organizations, but they're honorary. Mm-hmm. Did you ever do Aikido? Aikido, I did Aikido. I don't have a Don rank in Aikido, but I lived in the dojo for several years. Oh, really? I didn't know that. My teacher well, complained that I didn't want to test enough. And the latest teacher, I was, I, I did a seminar. I guess it was just before COVID. Just before COVID, I did a, a seminar with my, the teacher who runs that, that dojo now. Mm-hmm. And she said, uh, the first Don is not that hard for you. You should take it. <laughs> Just, what, what do you have now? And I said, <laughs> and it took the test. I, I didn't want to take the tests. I had Don in the Kenpo. Uh-huh. And uh, a test kind of, it's like a little capsule, right? At this day, at this time, you did X. And, so, I mean, they have to have something. Mm-hmm. Even with this stuff, I, I don't really like it. It's one of the reasons I wear Samaway and the casual doctor said, and if they wanted me to wear, you know, moderate Kesa. It's like, fine. <laughs> I just like to practice. The same with the martial arts or whether it's meditation. I love meditation. Zazen is like just sitting here. <sighs> That's all I got to do. Not always easy, right? <laughs> So you mentioned a couple of times that you have some Mansuis, um, and, and if people listening don't know what that word means, that's um, kind of a postulant trainee monk. Mansui, so, right? I, I think novice priest, yeah. novice monk is so, the most. So are you? Is that primarily your teaching? Are you mostly looking um, for people who want to ordain? Do you have lay students as well? Like what? What kind of teaching? So I, I tried to invent new layers. My teacher raised his eyebrows at me for that. Mm-hmm actually even stronger than raising his eyebrows. So I think I'm going back to his system of new mom, either Zaike or Suke, and Dendosi. And that's really all we had. Mm-hmm. Uh, and like I said, there's only four Dendosi. So you could, you could be an Unsui forever. <laughs> Do you have people that are just, they just want to meditate and work with the teacher, but they don't really have like clerical ambitions or? Yeah, we have all of that. Sure. Yeah. We don't have that many people. You know, it doesn't. So, but, uh, when we even do our Zooms, it could be two of us, three of us. Big big day is seven or eight people. So it's like, wow, this must be an important day. Yeah. Okay. I don't mind. So is there um, anything that you th- you'd want to cover that we haven't touched on yet? Or what do you, what do you think? I don't know. I was just going to answer questions. So that's what we do. I, I think I answer it to my best of my ability. If you don't have a question, then I'm done. My teacher okay. used to do it. We would do it, right? After, after after every session, at the end, we would share tea, and mm-hmm. he would say, are there any questions? Mm-hmm. And if nobody said any, he said, thank you very much for coming. Yes. See you next time. And that was it. And my root teacher was exactly the same. Yeah. Your, your teacher's still alive, is that is that right? Yeah, he's only a couple years older than me. Yeah. Oh. And uh, what, what does he do these days, do you know? <laughs> I'm sorry? What does he do these days? Is you mentioned a farm? Yeah, I think he 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 lost the farm. Mm-hmm. Somebody else owned it. He was working it, and there was a relationship thing, and so he's not on that farm anymore. Mm-hmm. He was running it, and uh, so I think he he'd like to do it again, but he doesn't mm-hmm. have a place yet. So different students are helping him, taking care of him. Okay, he's figuring out what he's going to do next. He's hoping I'll buy a farm. <laughs> well. well yeah. Well, thank you so much. Um, if if somebody um, wanted to get in touch with you, what what would be the best way? 
there's no good way. I used to do Facebook a lot. So, I mean, if you look up Josanna Anju on Facebook, that's, I still check it almost every day. I used to check it several times. And I got kind of social media out, I guess, over COVID. Right. <laughs> I was on everything all the time, right? It's like, oh my. So I keep hoping somebody will show up here, but people are still scared, I understand. So do do you guys it. have a website for your Sangha? No. Okay, so, so Facebook would be the best way to... It's the it. closest I have to that kind of communication other than regular emails. Email me. Okay. Well, thank you so much for your time. It was a pleasure. Thank you very much. Wonderful okay. to speak with you. Okay. Have a great day. Bye, everyone. Thank you.